Hey everybody, welcome to this week's edition of Tricky Kid Radio. I'm your host, Roy Turner, coming back to you with part two of a very, very special two-part uh, episode series. we got Noel Monk, the legendary manager from the mighty Van Halen. Uh, Noel's written a book called Running with the Devil. It's called A Backstage Pass of the Wild Times, Loud Rock, and Down and Dirty Truth Behind the Making of Van Halen. And if you probably already uh, heard last week, get on that, you heard part one. Coming back for part two is, again, is I'm armed with two of the most awesome Van Halen mm-hmm. fan historians, some great people joining us. Again, to my right, Steve Emerson. What's up? What's up? Hello. 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 <laughs> <laughs> we didn't get it right, but that's it's fantastic. So, again, you heard Steve Emerson, uh, Van Halen, lifelong Van Halen fan, historian, and all-around good guy. And to my left, longtime friend, Chaz Knight, uh, radio personality, lead singer for the, for the mighty Red Leather, uh, and just an just all-around good dude. Chaz, welcome back as well. Hey, hey. So... Again, we're going to bring you part two here with Noel. Yeah, and you know, and you know, Chaz. One thing I, w- I wanted to ask you is that being a lifelong fan of Van Halen, and again, how we were talking about how like they never, how undocumented this stuff is. There's never been like a live record, and everything else. And they mentioned, we mentioned as well because you know, not because they really rock. You've heard it because he can't hit the high notes, but he's really just there to sell it. Sure. Now, nothing against your your singing abilities, but you know, you're you weren't. Born a singer, in the same parallel to David Lee Roth, you sell the music, you sell the thing. Yeah. How much do you did did Van Halen play a part in you becoming a frontman for a rock and roll band? Well, you know, I, I mentioned to you that I, I originally played guitar, right? And and so uh, that would be more of an influence, right? Yeah. Well, you know, because Eddie Van Halen, you know, everybody wanted to be Eddie Van Halen. Like Eddie started with the drums and switch. Yeah. yeah. And then what had happened for me is that. Uh, of course, I, I always idolize singers, but I just, you know, self-esteem, you know, sure. to be a singer, I always tell people it's about 10% talent mm-hmm. and about 90% balls. Confidence. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's yeah. what I mean. I wasn't, you know, decrying your, your ability, but it's what you just said. Like, yeah. And so w- what happened, I, I will just tell you, I'll be brief about it. But you're so, also good too. So I was a guitar player and I hooked up with this guy in high school. We were learning Rush licks, you know, and, and you heard Van Halen put it down. And, the, and, <laughs> and, you know, we couldn't play Van Halen licks. We weren't that good, but we were trying to learn some Alex Lifeson licks from Rush. Anyway, but one day, you know, he said, you know, that priest song, you know, we're talking about Judas Priest, and I sang, and he's like, wow, you got a great voice. Right. Man, that stuck with me. And 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 although I was always a guitar player, I always kind of had that in the back of my mind. Hey, that guy thinks I'm good, so maybe I should sing someday. Okay. I went through band, a band, a band, and no one wanted to sing. We'd be great jamming, but no one would get up in the mic and start singing. Right. So one day I just said, screw it, I'm going to be the singer. And I put my guitar down, and I started to sing. In fact, that's how Red Leather started. I decided this is my gig. I'm not even going to play guitar. We got Neil Swanson, yeah, who now plays with you know Dave Sturr from the Eurythmics, Steve Vai. I mean, he's yeah, he's and, everywhere. And, got, and with, with uh, Homeboy from Bon Jovi, uh, Richie Sambora, Rich Sambora, and his wife uh, Orianti. Is that how you say her name or Annie Orianti? It's something the like hot that. girl, right? Right, <laughs> the hot right. And, but that's how Red Leather started. Right. I just started singing, and that was the whole deal. And, and, and that's how David Lee Roth did influence that. It's about showmanship it's about bringing the party to the people and if you come see red leather 
that's what that's what I do. Yeah, I sing, and I'm not a bad singer. It's about having a command but, of the uh, audience. Yeah, and getting engaging the audience, and that's what David Lee Roth did. He engaged that, the that's audience. What I mean. and did that's, you see David Lee doing that? Did it make you think? Well, totally, right? Totally, right. absolutely. He it was he was the blueprint of it because Plant before him kind of did it, but he kind of just to himself. And right, I mean, David Lee Roth took what was there, and he just. Like he brought the car salesman into it, man. Right. And he, she, he really did. <laughs> understand, man. He really did, man. Game over once he got it. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. He like, was the front man, and then everybody copied him. Here's yeah. a good way to say it, yeah, right. to describe David Lee Roth, in my opinion. All the girls wanted to be with him, and all the dudes wanted to be him. Yeah. Right. And and you and what Noel says in the uh, in the book, uh, he says, "I wanted to be with him." <laughs> <laughs> All right, sorry. it ain't this kind of podcast, man. <laughs> right? Yeah, but hey, 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 do you, man? Yeah. But I, uh, <laughs> Whatever you gotta do, man. <laughs> but Noel says in the book, actually, he was like, "That's what I need from you." Yeah. When he was priming these guys, when being going from the tour manager to being the manager was, "I need for you to be the." Guy that all the girls want to be with, yes. and all the guys want to be, yeah, and and it became that in spades. I mean, like holy cow, yeah. But you know, and, and, and you know, and, and Steve, what do you what do you think that for you was has the most lasting impression? Because we talked about the first impression. What's been the probably the most lasting impression? For you? Easy answer out of a litany of Van Halen references in my life. First off, it is absolutely the soundtrack to my life, right? Yeah. Um. Those first six albums mean everything, and, and I've worn out 80 million copies of them on every format. <laughs> so in 2007, when my great fantasy evolved again, and they got back together, I lived in Cincinnati, and I got tickets, and I knew people uh, down on the floor, and I ended up getting front row. And the coolest part is, I took my son and introduced oh, right, him. Right. So it was, I didn't, I had to pee nice. the whole time. Trust me, I did not leave. I saw every second of it, uh, the warm-ups, everything, and I've seen them eight bazillion times since then. Um, but sharing that memory with my That's son cool. yes. is super special. For sure. Absolutely. He totally yeah. understands His my first collection. concert? His first concert. So you're front row, David Lee Roth. Oh, That's oh great. my God. Van Halen and David Lee Roth. And and this is 2007 that you were saying. 2007, yeah. Yeah, okay. So I wanted to talk about that a little bit, too. You know, um... Uh, you know, obviously this is focused on the, the, the original run of Van Halen, but obviously, you know, the story doesn't end there. There, There is more to the story here. And so what we're going to kind of dive into a little bit here on this episode is just kind of kind of explore that a little bit more. And I'm glad that you mentioned that, Steve, because uh, for me, like I said, one thing, if you heard part one, that we were able to bond over to all three was our very first concert was David Lee Roth uh, in 86 on that uh, legendary Eat Him and Smile with that just, just <laughs> yeah. absurd Obnoxious. lineup of, yeah. of, of Vi, Bissonette, Sheehan. and Sheehan. Yeah. Just, uh, that, that's Led Zeppelin right there, right? I mean, yeah. in terms of just being the... Musicianship. Right. He musician. definitely went out and said, okay, I can go do I'm this I'm going to go myself. get the best. Yeah. yeah, and boy, did he ever, my God. Yeah. But you know, but Bissonette from North Texas. Yeah, yeah, that's right. UNT. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so one thing I, I wanted to talk about was that the un, when the unthinkable happened, because the three of us weren't people that oh, you know, Van Halen back then. Like you said, don't you miss being into a band where those six records, either when you put them in, 
Either you listen to the whole thing or you don't bother. And the reason why we know those albums so well, because <laughs> there were eight songs, four songs on each side of either the album or the cassette, and you just flipped it until the thing broke. It was right? like a 45-second novelty song. Right, right. But you never stopped, is the point. You know what I mean? You love it forever. So, in you know, there was a couple little hiccups there, but in 2007, when the unthinkable actually happened, oh, when Van, when they were, of course, Michael Anthony wasn't a part of that. We we're not going to debate that. It's been over-debated enough, sure. okay? Uh, I think that, you know... Like, we all feel the same way. Right. Yeah. But exactly, but exactly, I feel the same way you guys do, but like David Rod said his best, he goes, he says... Three fourths original, one fourth inevitable. So that 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 says it all. That's all you got to say. That's just perfect, perfect, yeah. right? Yeah. So in two thousand and seven, and you guys all, of course, saw saw we all saw that tour. When and if you guys remember the very beginning, the show starts with David Lee Roth still with the long hair, and he's got that flag, and he comes running down the ramp, and it started oh, yeah. with "You really got me." What? Uh, Chaz, what was your what was your impression of that when when when, the, when that when that happened? When you were finally, it was it was a dream come true, it right? Really, really I was. mean, right? Because your really whole was. life, that's all you ever wanted was to see Van Halen live, and they're finally back together, and it's David Lee Roth, right. and here he comes, and yeah, it was uh, it was uh, dreamy, dreamy. It's like watching <laughs> Marsha Brady when I was a really young boy. I mean, it had that same effect on me. You know, I got, I got like weird feelings yeah, well, like yeah, in, yeah, in my nether story. regions. Right. And, yeah, well, I mean, yeah, that's it, how it was. yeah. It was really, it, it was, it was an experience. My man. son looked over at me at one point. I remember Daily Ross right there. I wasn't crying, but almost. I was crying I, for sure. I, I had a smile so big, and my mouth was yeah. agape, like, yeah. like this. For two and a half hours. Yeah, I'm sure I looked pretty foolish. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, and I remember vividly looking up and saying, "Thank you, Lord." And I just <laughs> thought it would never happen. I thought I missed right. it, you know. So right. Mine isn't quite as romantic, uh, <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately. I, I tell this story, and I, I don't want to re- repeat too much, but just for, for you guys, it was still amazing, and I don't mind telling you, it was very emotional. But when I had imagined that if that was ever going to happen, to see Eddie and Dave sharing a stage together again, mm-hmm. uh, I thought I would might be there with you, Chaz, yeah. or some other, a few other friends of mine. So, and here in Dallas, so the fact, because I moved to New York, and I was in New York for eight years, right. is the fact that I saw it in New Jersey, what he used to call the old Meadowlands, and it changed to the Izod Arena. I yeah. think it was... Maybe the Continental Airlines Arena, maybe that time, or I was on, I don't know, but it's whatever sponsoring it now. But the point is, I had shitty seats. Uh, I was alone, uh, okay, because I just moved to the city. Uh, actually, I've been in town for, for, for under a year, but I just, it was it was a solo endeavor. It's not what you imagined right. the first one would be. And I remember that people were so old that they were, they didn't want to stand. Yeah. And they were angry with me, and I was like, I, I, I didn't come here to sit down. <laughs> Your enthusiasm's exuding everywhere, right. and you're around a bunch of fogies. Right, and so so that, but that part, but but I, I still had many opportunities because I saw that tour a lot. And again, being in the Tri-State area, I was able to see a lot of shows, and I don't mind telling you that... Three times uh, in a week, right? Uh, well, yeah, well, I said before, uh, off, off, uh, off camera and off air there, was that there was... Uh, when it came back through the second time uh, in 2008, I saw it at the uh, at Madison Square Garden in New Jersey, and also in New Jersey, the Isod Center, no and then out at, uh, at Uniondale Arena out there in Long Island. 
uh, three times in one week. Uh, both shows uh, in Dallas, because remember that one of the, sh- the shows was supposed to be on, actually the first one was actually supposed to be on my birthday. And if you guys remember, that show could have been temporary because even though it was happening. Oh, yes. Remember you guys remember this? Uh, yes, it even, was very volatile. Even though this was happening, the dream was happening, the wheels were already starting to fall off. It could, it, it, could have, it could have ended at any point. And if you guys remember, we all had tickets to the Dallas show that was happening on Eddie Van on, on, it was happening on my birthday. And I was flying in to go to the show. And then Eddie had to go into rehab, and of course that's why oh, he yeah. missed. Uh, you know, the, yeah. you know. Do you remember all this? Yeah. And then, but then they rebooked it, and when they rebooked it, it was on Eddie Van Halen's birthday here in Dallas, which and yours. Yeah, uh, well, the initial one was on your birthday, and then they rebooked it on his, right? On his, right. So yeah. literally, you see people putting X's on their calendars for whatever special to them, counting down. That's how it was. Yeah. Like you know, when we're, guys like us are waiting to see our dream. Um, show and it's like, man, the wheels are like you said, the wheels are falling off. Right. Can they keep it together till they get to Cincinnati? Right. That's where I was. Well, I can tell you a story, and 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 I don't know if I've ever told you guys this story, but that 2007 tour, I went with some guys. Unfortunately, we weren't together, but I went with some guys. One of them knew David Lee Roth's personal tour manager. I actually got to go on David Lee Roth's bus. Oh, how cool. Now they were inside in the in the in uh, what, what, what do they call it AT and what do they call it American Airlines right 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 they were the concert they were already inside Reunion Arena Reunion. You, 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 it's the old one like, 2007 was that or no 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 American Airlines. About American Airlines Reunion. so they were already inside in their dress rooms getting ready to go on stage so the, their his tour manager actually led us on David Lee Roth oh bus my god wow and brought in shirts for all of us. Hey, you know, gave us passes. We got backstage passes, but we just got to walk on stage. We didn't get to meet the band. Yeah. But then and pulls his box out and says, Hey, do you guys want to smoke some of David Lee Ross? <laughs> and yeah, of course we do. It's David Lee Ross. Hot. Yes. So we actually got high on David Lee Ross bus that before is, the concert. Walked nuts, on stage man. in front of everybody at American Airlines. And then went to our seats what and then watched story. that show. And what? Why? I, I would have smoked, but oh my god! Why did you call me? Like I, I was, was in New York, right? Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But I came down for the show. It was I it was a crazy once in a life. I mean, you know, it's weird things yeah. happen. It, it was Van Halen. Hey man, I wouldn't have smoked either. But it's like if Willie Nelson offered that to you. You're going to right? okay, well, yeah. that right. you know, well, so of course. David Lee Ross no. tour bus. Are you kidding yeah. me? Yeah. How cool! Well, yeah. but you know what? what that, was that was that that is so freaking cool, man. And so, and what's so great about that is again, is what we're bringing you. Course is, is talking about Noel Monk, who was there. A lot of better, a lot better stories than that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Things no, no, but what I mean is, is that is that you were like because Noel was there for every single day of it, and we weren't. So this gave you a chance to kind of like. Kind of be a part of it, so you still kind of got to have a little bit of it. Yeah, you know a I mean? taste. Yeah, because a little bit. Yeah, but I like tastes it. like chicken. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but also and I you like know, it. What's so funny at the same time, though? How talk about it being shrouded in a mystery, being undocumented. Okay, you had backstage passes to Van Halen. You met David Lee Ross, personal freaking tour manager, and you still didn't get the meeting. Yeah, you know no, what I mean. They weren't. They weren't meeting people. Either. Have you guys ever met any member of the? Uh, uh, any members of the so I, I could I have not, but I can speak to the elusiveness of the unicorn known as David Lee Roth. All right. I mentioned first uh, front row at uh, um, Cincinnati. 
prior to that, he was, you know, on his solo tours. And I saw him as close to I sure. as I am to right. you fifteen times, maybe ten times. And he you can't get near his stuff or his bus unless you have, you know, the proper stuff. And even if you do, you have the passes. You were on this bus. No. And you still didn't meet him. You still didn't meet him. Never. And worked in I've worked in radio. Right. Well, radio. He's very approachable. I've met like on Aerosmith, street. I've met Kiss, I've met Clapton, I've met I mean I've met heavyweights I, being right. working in radio. And you've never you've, made, you've done some shows with heavyweights and, yeah. and never Van Halen. I mean, I've always wanted to meet him. Right. You know, yeah. yeah. Always. I mean, that's my that's my dream. Dream. Never. Yeah. Even working in the industry. I just and want you a work. selfie. I don't even want an autograph. Just, yeah. I just want a picture with Dave. Well, you know, but see that that's that's the thing too. It's like if there's something about that that would necessitate a book like this. Oh, and yeah. I mean, to the point where we didn't even think that we were going to get a book. Like this, yeah. and I think Noel is just at the point where he was like, you know what, man? It's now or never. The right. time is right. Uh, I'm going to do this thing, man. You know. Thank you, Noel. Uh, yeah, thank you, Noel, for sure. Now I tell this story again. I don't want to repeat it too much, and I know that you know this, but since Steve doesn't know this, but and and I encourage people to go back and listen to the uh, the episode that we did with Van Halen rising author. Uh, Greg Renoff, a good friend of ours, uh, who took on a very academic approach to uh, Van Halen, documenting uh, the pre-fame uh, days, the whole backyard party thing. Because even while he wrote this book, he, there is no input from any actual member of Van Halen. That's what makes this book, and nothing against Greg, this is a fantastic book. You should. Both of these books are essential to any Van Halen fan, without question. But Noel says something in part two of this interview you're going to hear where he says, all these people were writing these books and they never talked to anybody in the band. And but he said it almost kinda like like almost like why didn't you? And I and it was almost kinda like, well, I'm not sure I'm sure they tried, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. And uh, so I tell this story because because Greg never met any member of Van Halen. You guys have never met any any member of Van Halen. And I have actually had had a very unique experience with David Lee Roth. Wow! And, All right, man, I didn't know about that. Okay, so I thought that you, I thought I thought, uh, Jay, I thought you did this. Uh, that's um, cool. So, like you as well, I had on all the solo tours. He came to uh, did, one time. He came to Stubbs in Austin, and we drove down for that. It was around ninety nine two thousand. Uh, had backstage passes. Didn't meet him. Uh, when he did the Diamond Dave record, came to Verizon Theater, had backstage passes, didn't meet him. Okay? Uh, never had any backstage passes of Van Halen. I've never met any member of Van Halen, whatever. And I was living in New York. And again, to the story, I don't want to repeat it too much, but uh, I'll just give you the, the, the cliff notes here. Was it Okay, so I had was going to move up there for a promotion for a record label I was working for at the time. Okay? And I went up there in... For New Year's Eve 2005, going into 2006, A, to kind of hang out with this guy to see if we could kind of get along with his roommates. While I was there, I had visited this really cool record store in a part of New York called St. Mark's, which is kind of like what we would call Deep Ellen. Okay? okay, cool. It's not quite what it used to be. But anyway, and there was this great record store that was no bigger than, than half the size of this room called Rocket Science. And there was a... Uh, a band I really, really love, a band, a UK band called Portishead. And, oh, yeah. they, and they had this DVD uh, that was clearly a bootleg. And you don't you don't see Portishead video bootlegs. But I'd already spent too much of my money. So I thought, man, when I, you know, when I come back, I gotta, I'll come back here and I'll do, and I'll get that. Okay. So, okay. Fast forward April, uh, to March of 2006. 
They said I could come up there anytime, and I decided to come up there around my birthday. Uh, a band that I really love from Brooklyn called Les Savi Fab was playing. Um, if you ever watch Seth Meyers' uh, late night show, basically his his house band is basically the members of Les Savi Fab. Okay. Yeah. Um, mm. Uh, David Lee was doing the radio thing. Remember when, yeah. remember, remember Roth oh, yeah. radio? Very cool. And, you know, and we could do a whole episode just on Roth radio. Couldn't we? Uh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Because I love David Lee and I quote him like scripture and, and <laughs> I, I could never get up that early and be when I did. It was like, I can understand why it did not last as long as it did not. Cause it wasn't good. It's just, yeah. he needs his own thing, man. Yeah, you know, does. like I love it. We right. Love it. Of course. Well, anyway, so I, on this trip, had gone back to that little record store, okay? And when I say little, I'm not kidding you. It's about twice the size of this room that you guys can see right oh, now. Oh, really? Okay, I mean, it's just one long hallway. It's New York, there are right? two bedrooms. Like yeah, it's, it's maybe three, okay? Anyway, so I walk in, very narrow, and, I, and right when I walk in, there's a guy standing at the counter. He's innocuous isn't anything anybody think you would look at twice okay and he's doing that thing that you used to do remember at blockbuster music where you would have to say hey can i listen to this before i buy it and they would kind of unwrap it and put it on for you and you would kind of it was kind of a, of a service they were offering sure. so he was doing that and and i came in and all, all my eyes were on was that portishead dvd and they had it up on a, on a shelf <laughs> up here so oh, right, I'm wearing a Miles Davis shirt. That's that was that's part of the story as well. I come up there, I see the Portishead DVD. I reach up there immediately because things like you know it's not that expensive, but it was like fifty bucks, which is yeah. a lot for especially for it is you rare. Know, right. So I, I took it down. And I'm just I'm so happy. This is my birthday gift to myself. I'm just how you hear things. You hear the conversation. It no, nothing. It was nothing out of the ordinary. Right. I go to the back, and keep in mind this is 2000, in, and ironically, this is 2006. It's like a, a full year and a half removed. But that's what was so great about that reunion was because just a year prior, there was not a snowball's chance in hell that was ever going to happen. Right. I mean, you, you remember there was even that whole Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and they didn't go and right. all that, right? Well, anyway. This was the time that he got arrested in Central Park for buying weed, this right? It was a few years later. Yeah, oh, okay, a few right. years later. Uh, I yeah. thought that's where your story was going, that no, you were the one I, that sold him the I weed. Think I know, right. I think that's what I'm <laughs> so I'm back in the back, and I, uh, you know, back at the store, and I'm just looking through some records, and I hear them talking a little bit about Miles Davis, and I'm just kind of piped up, and, 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 and for whatever reason, and I had actually forgotten I was wearing the shirt. And but suddenly the guy at the counter it goes from talking to him like yeah I like this to like that to kind of this kind of what was that kind of like booming voice and I know that voice and immediately but for some reason I didn't immediately place it like I was like whoa wait I know that voice wait wait whoa whoa could it be and and again like we talked about earlier I never stopped listening to Van Halen but Van Halen may not have been right in my face. Right. I was just thinking, I was thinking sure. about my birthday sure. and they saw me fob and, 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 and right, you know, and then I had the moment where I realized that this, this is, this is happening. Okay. Right. This is, this is happening. Right. So I walk towards the counter. There is now facing me. The guy's talking to him over the counter and he looks at me and he goes, Hey kid, nice shirt. We were just talking about Miles Davis. And I was like, Oh, 
Yeah, I'm wearing a Miles Davis shirt. You know? Okay. <laughs> where the hell was I? Now, I'm not acknowledging him as David Lee Roth. Okay, that's right. very important. Yeah. He is in his getup where he's got the newsboy cap, he's got the uh, the overalls, he just looks like an old Jewish guy. Okay. Yeah. And he's listening to his, to this what he called Carib, meaning Caribbean music, which he's really, really into, oh, right? Into right? A lot, yeah. right. Okay. So the guy's talking, I am not acknowledging him as David Lee Roth in any sort of way whatsoever. Somehow I'm keeping it together. And I asked the guy, can I watch this $50 thing too? Because before I buy, I want to see what I'm getting at. So just by the fact that he puts this in on TV, but he doesn't let me hear it because he's still playing this for David Lee. Mm -hmm. David Lee Roth, immediately he's next to me right here. He loses interest in the Caribbean music and goes, hey kid, what is this? And I start explaining to David Lee Roth. <laughs> Portishead. How did you what keep from acknowledging? Portishead is. And I, I'm just still doing it. And the guy behind the counter is like, oh, this isn't Portishead. He goes, no, man, I know what this is. I want to know, hey, kid, what is, what is this? And I'm sitting there explaining to David Lee Roth what Portishead is. And, I'm, and I, I'm keeping it together. I got it. I got it together. And he was like, that's interesting. That's cool. You know, and whatever. And he goes back, and he kind of, you know, is doing his thing. And I realized that it's one of those stores where they also kind of, like, had, like, stuff. You know, like how, like, half price books has, like, stuff they don't care if you steal <laughs> outside? <laughs> sure. And I think, okay, if I'm going to talk to him, I have to go browse out there. Because this guy, there's no way this guy's going to let me talk to him in here. Sure. Okay? So I went outside. I'm looking at stuff. Dave exits almost right after. He walks right by me. Now, keep in mind, it's also street level is there. Like, right. I, 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 for you all listening, I'm pointing upward. It's right. like up there. So, so you, so you step down, yeah. right? So he comes out of the store, and instead of going, excuse me, sir, are you? I, I just immediately acknowledge him. And I said, I go, hey, Dave. And he, and he turns around very quickly, and he goes, yeah, man. And I said, hey, man. I said, listen, uh, I just want you to know that today's my birthday, and and being able to explain to you or get to talk to you about music and talk about something on my birthday is just about the greatest thing in the world. He goes, what's your name, man? And I said, Roy. He goes, Roy? Have a great weekend. <laughs> he did this. And off into the New York night he went. That's wow. Freaking awesome, and man. I let him do it. And then I... Went up the steps, went around the corner, and like, like was like call. I called my sister. I was like, "You're never gonna believe what I did! Oh my god!" Have that, a great that, weekend, and the weekend hadn't ended yet. It, right? That <laughs> was okay. That was my, that was that was my thirty second birthday. That's awesome. On, on my birthday in two thousand and six. That's great. So, That's story. So okay. So now <laughs> a little word from our sponsors here. And then we're going to bring you part two with uh, the legendary uh, Noel Monk, Van Halen manager. More great stories. Eight, eight, five. Can't great. wait. Yeah. Okay. Like I said, I didn't mean to turn into a competition because Noel will win oh, this yeah. competition with this I've got book. a quick comment on this real quick. If I got uh, it. Sure. Quick. Go ahead. Yeah. So Greg's a great dude, and you already mentioned it. These are totally different books. One's from the perspective of the guy that was there with the band day in and day out. One is the perspective, really, of the fans. Um, in the early days, so they're not comp they're not competing. They're both awesome, but absolutely, yeah. And that's a great point. Thank you, Steve, for that. So again, we got some great sponsors to keep this show rolling, and um, 
And so we wanted to tell you a little bit about some of those. Again, we're coming to you live from the Corner Lounge Arcade in Bedford, Texas at 1424 Brown Trail. Great line of a pinball, retro, old school, no emulators, a real deal, all ages, all the time. Uh, check us out and uh, on uh, on Facebook at Quarter Lounge Arcade. And come see us. We're open every single day. Go on to TrickyKid.com. Going to be sharing a lot of great pictures. Uh, Noel has shared some stuff that's going to be exclusive to the, to the site. I got some from my own archive uh, and lots and lots of great stuff here. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at TrickyKid at the number two. Uh, if you haven't subscribed already, please go to iTunes, type in Tricky Kid Radio Podcast. It'll come up. It's free, and you'll see shows just like this each and every single week. Got a lot of great more guests coming up. And uh, Chaz, where can they find you on the interwebs there? Uh, Twitter. Loco Chaz one Loco the number one Loco Chaz L O C O C H A Z that's my personal but of course the band Red Leather Rocks on Twitter Red Leather Rocks on Facebook Red Leather One on Instagram and so, you guys got, got some shows coming up what's the next big show for you guys? the big show is September first we're going to be at Gas, Gas Monkey, Monkey Gas yeah. Monkey Bar and Grill Fantastic. which the famous Gas Monkey Bar and Grill <laughs> it's a big with one, right? yeah it's yeah. a big one and Good. September first it's kicking off the Labor Day weekend Friday night. Party, Kager, let's Come go. Yeah. Oh, well, look at all the people here yeah. tonight, That's I right. said. And everybody remembers, of course, the old Labor Day Van Halen t-shirt. That was the one you wanted to get. That was right. vintage one. Yeah. And, and uh, Steve Emerson, again, Van Halen historian. Steve, where can they find you on the interwebs as well, sir? I'm, I've am i not. I've stayed away from the Twitter universe on purpose. I'm on Facebook and very active. And if you type in Steve Emerson and you want a like-minded pal, I'll accept you. And it's I'm easy to find. I pop right up with my beautiful wife at the top. Fantastic! And so the song of the week is going to be, and I, and I wanted to wait to, to tell you all this. The song of the week here, because now that we're getting into it, is going to be instead of playing a rarity, I wanted to play my favorite Van Halen song. Which if I had to pick one, I would I would prefer to maybe do something a little more un, underrated or whatever. Sure but we've already course. done that. For sure. So, Chaz, I want you to tell me what is your favorite Van Halen song? Oh, if you had to pick one, oh, it's, I, I know mean, it's hard, but come on, one. Yeah. one, you only got come one. Come on, um, you know, uh, can't I, be one you sing either. No, probably Simple Run. Ooh, yeah, Simple Run, nice. Simple Run, yeah. And, 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 yeah. And, which which they played on that last tour, which was which yeah was yeah that, that's that's probably back it. in the past, and I was yeah. treated so coldly. For me, um, <laughs> for me, I think you know, just like Chaz, so it's, it's all of them. But hear about it later. Okay, um, it's one of those songs that I could be in a bad mood. That's going to instantly pick me up. Yeah, it's a good I mean, one. It's a good, good one. So the song of the week is going to be I'm gonna, since since it's my show. I do Ivito, uh, whatever. Burn! Burn! Is I'm going to be playing "Light Up the Sky" from oh, yeah. Van Halen too, and and talk about the most recent tour that Van Halen did with David Lee Roth. They opened with this, and I thought it was just very mm-hmm. kind of fitting to kind of include this. It's my favorite song. They opened the tour with it. A song I thought I would never ever hear get to play live, you know, uh, and the fact that they opened the tour with it. Probably, as somebody that quotes David Lee Roth like scripture, probably my favorite lyric out of all the great lyrics from Van Halen is when he says, Wolves at my door wised up quick. And then he says, to paraphrase, he goes, You can hear him turn around and he goes out the door. He goes, It seems that the old, the, the, uh, old folks who come up short were the pretty little kids that didn't want it enough. Yeah, that's heavy. Beautiful. That, that has always, and for me, that was always been a mantra for me. So, 
we are going to bring you from Van Halen 2. Uh, this is light. This is <clears throat> God. This is, pretty, this is light up the sky. Don't but, cry. Yeah, great, right. <laughs> great choice, man. Right. So again, I'll, I'll do this in post. But so we're going to bring you from Van Halen 2. This is light up the sky. Coming right back, we'll have part two with Noel Monk. Boom. <laughs> Hey folks, this is Brian O'Halloran. You might know me from such iconic classic films as Clerks, Mallrats, Chasing Amy, Vulgar. Anyway, you're listening to Tricky Kid Radio. You got it. Hey. Hey guys, this is Brian O'Halloran. You might know me from such classic cult hits as Clerks, Clerks 2, Mallrats, Chasing Amy, Brutal Massacre, many, many more. 
And you're listening to Tricky Kid Radio with Roy Turner. Hi, this is Marilyn Gigliotti. Most people know me as Veronica from Clerks. It ain't 37. Uh, this, you're listening to Tricky Kid Radio. I messed that up anyway. I'll look at it in post. Hi, this is Marilyn Gigliotti. Most people know me as Marilyn. They do know he's Marilyn. Hello. Hi, this is Marilyn Gigliotti, and you're listening to Tricky Kid Radio with Roy Turner. You know me as Veronica from Clerks. It ain't 37. Hey, everybody. This is actor-musician Scott Schiaffo, best known from the Kevin Smith films Clerks and Vulgar. You are listening to Tricky Kid Radio with Roy Turner. We're going to do a quick station ID uh, real fast. Uh, if you're just joining us, uh, we're speaking with legendary manager Noel Monk uh, from the mighty Van Halen from 7885. He's written a book called Running with the Devil, a backstage pass to the wild times, loud rock, and the down and dirty truth behind the making of Van Halen. It's on HarperCollins' Day Street label, and it's a fantastic read. And so, Noel, like I said, I think it would be kind of fun to – uh, do a quick debunking uh, round. Again, I wasn't sure I was going to ask you about the brown M&Ms because I figured that you've been asked that a million times, but, but since you brought it up and you explained that so perfectly. So what about, the course, the thing that we've heard about a million times with the David Lee Roth, with the backstage passes where he would write a crew member's name on it, and if the girl happened to he wound up with happened to have that road crew's name on her backstage pass, he would pay them a hundred bucks. Is true or false? You got to understand, we did all kinds of things to, you know, bring back the girls that the, the guys in the band wanted to see backstage. And yeah, that was one of the ways and, uh, David would talk to Eddie Anderson in between numbers and say, is a girl out there a blonde? And on the back of the uh, um, barrier uh, were numbers. And he'd say that was number or letters three. So Eddie could go out and find the girl. So... Yeah, a lot of that was was pretty true. And and same thing goes for the brown M and M's. And again, it was such a a brilliant way to make them pay attention. And you that's know, what it was for. And just so freaking ridiculously smart. Okay, so another debunking thing. So okay, so when you guys again, like I said, when you guys made it to the US Festival. Now, no, I have seen that footage so much. I know it like the feds know the, the Pruder film uh, <laughs> with the, the JFK assassination. So what is your, like, knee-jerk memory of that day, specifically with David Lee Roth and what condition he was in? What got him to that <laughs> What got him to that point? <laughs> Uh, well, I was pretty crazy at that point, running around. I had my, my brother-in-law throwing up all over the stage. <laughs> David was, I think I told that in the book. Uh, yeah. I had a lot of things to happen there that were happening and going on. And I put 
David was in one of the trailers, and I had one of my guys, I won't say who, uh, I said, now you have to watch him because David was a little nervous. Well, a little nervous turned into a lot of alcohol and a lot of coke. And right. I got back about 10 minutes before the show and said, ready to go, David. And he looked at me, and he was not ready to go. He was having trouble standing up. <laughs> and there I am. I'm sitting next to all the us festival people. And they paid us a million, actually, 550. And this is a lot of money. And David couldn't jump. He couldn't do much more than run up the stage and say, let's go across the street and have another drink. <laughs> um, and that's the last thing he needed. You know, so basically it threw the whole show off. And we were obligated to give them three cuts or three songs. And they called me up about a week later and they said, we can't find three cuts for <laughs> David Jumps anywhere in the show. I said, well, I'm real sorry. That's about all I can do is give you what I got. Anyhow, well, that, that's what happened. Okay, but he gave an interview with MTV's Mark Goodman uh, uh, just a few I don't know how you would know this. I don't know how, when that took place in terms of how much before stage time. But he was in such a state that Mark Goodman had to acknowledge it to him on air. And and I think what he said to him was something like, you know, what what's uh, – like, I mean, he was trying to spin it like, you must be extra excited today. But there's this look of total fear on Mark Goodman's face. During this interview, would you say that you had that same look of fear when you discovered him in that state? I don't follow you. Why would I have a look of fear? Well, I just I mean, David, like the back of my hand. <laughs> it was merely, I mean, they never did that on stage. They were a band that no matter what condition they were in, they could go on and put a brilliant show on. Right. But fear. I was never in fear of David. And well, I, I don't mean fear. Had a deal. Had a deal with the situation. Right, right. And there was no, oh, I'm going home. <laughs> I dealt with the situation. And but like fear a, like is a something that you can't have when you're dealing with a band. For sure. Agreed. I guess I guess a better word, I guess what I mean is to be, to be more clear is since you had seen and had handled so many other situations prior to that, even with other bands, I mean, uh, gosh, like I said, you dealt with Sid Vicious. So obviously there would be no fear there, no. So let me use a, a better word here. What I mean is, is that was there, when you when you discovered David Lee that day, was there some uh, trepidation that he wasn't going to be able to perform, also given what was at stake? Trepidation? No, that was a reality. Okay. You don't deal in trepidation or anything else. You deal in what you got. For, for you sure. Know what the reality of that situation is. All right, what do I do? 
Very simple. Put him on stage. You know, uh, if he messes up, he messes up. <laughs> uh, if he can't stand up and jump, he can't stand up and jump. I can't do it for him. Uh, I don't sing, dance, or play a musical instrument. I certainly <laughs> couldn't put tights on and do what David did. So you got what you got. For sure. And you what got, we got that's was still. What you got to deal with. Right. And what we got was, whereas may not be the prettiest performance, but certainly something very, very memorable, um, especially the part where he announces that uh, he had forgotten the words. <laughs> I always enjoy that. Um, well, yeah, I didn't enjoy that so much. <laughs> <laughs> but he also could, could have, was also very, very hands-on uh, in the in the creative you know, process, especially during the MTV era. I wanted to ask about the Hot for Teacher video. And well, all the videos. Uh, I would say that David and Peter Andrews, who was our lighting man and creative guy, they did the videos. Uh, I was the executive producer. I raised the money. Right. But they were the brilliant guys that had the ideas and directed, you know, made the storyboards, did everything. They should have all the credit for that, absolutely. Uh, and, and it's so amazing, like the, the magic and the ambition, I guess you would say, between, uh, you know, of course, Dave and, and Eddie, Whereas, of course, Eddie had the musical muscle, but Dave really had this almost uncanny vision. What At what point did you become keenly aware of that? Day one. David wanted to be a superstar. And that he said that day one, and he never changed his mind, and he never went away from that, and he became a superstar. So I would say that was right in your face right away. And it's just so amazing that he would, he would have had that literally from the beginning. So it's almost like it's not a coincidence that it happened, right? Well, no, not in the beginning. I'd say he had that five years before they even got a deal. Wow. David always wanted to be a superstar. Um. He had trouble getting into the band. His voice wasn't that great. Right. But David had a vision, and his vision was being a superstar. And and I tell you, well, you have to give him credit because I can't get in front of 15,000 people and talk. <laughs> it's very – that is scary to me. I love the part uh, where where he asked you to be the announcer and you politely declined. <laughs> uh, yes, I wasn't. Well, for one, I didn't want to be tied down right. at every show being there. But also, I wasn't going out in front of 15,000 people or 8,000 people or 20 people and saying, oh, here, here's the mighty Van Halen. Right. And Rudy Liren did an incredible job every night for all those years. Rudy was fabulous. He was a great 
guitar tech for Edward, as Greg Emerson was a great drum tech for Alex. Right. Um, you know, but Rudy was brilliant in announcing. And that's, something, that's something else that the book really revealed because, see, I never knew that Rudy was a guitar tech. Like, I, I learned that directly from the book. I just, I always equate that voice, you know, the mighty Van Halen. Uh, and I never knew that he had that dual role. And that's just one of many, many amazing things that that this wonderful book, Running with the Devil, that you wrote, uh, has has brought uh, to, to Van Halen fans such as myself. Um, and again, like I said, just kind of the, the, the music industry. And it's, and it's a great portrait of such a great time in American musical history. Um, out of all the tours, you know, this, the, the original six records with David Lee Roth, because you mentioned about his vision, and it was clearly felt how influential it was after Dave went away and how, of course, how radically uh, Van Halen changed, you know, later on with, you know... Well, no, 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 right. They didn't change. They ended. That right, was they the ended. end of That's Van right. Halen. It might have been Van Sharon, uh, Van Hagar, Van whatever. It was never again Van Halen. That's right. And even now, right. these are old men. Yeah. They're 60 years old. David can't jump off the drum riser. He would land and we'd take him to the hospital. <laughs> uh, there was no Van Halen after 85. I agree and with that. And a lot of people say, well, Van Hagar, right there it tells you it's Van Hagar. That's right. I'm not criticizing him. I'm not doing anything. Different band. That's right. That's right. And for me, for me, and my interest uh, completely, you know, I can't say that my interest was only in David Lee Roth, but for me, Van Halen as a fan ended there. And then for you, being on the inside, of course, you know that to you know that to be absolutely true. Out of the original six albums uh, with David Lee Roth, those first six. What would you say in terms of tour and scope and just what you remember as just being a good time in your own life? What out of those six would you say is your favorite? That's a hard one. You know, I had fun for every tour. There was a lot of downsides to it, Roy, but I can't pick out a tour. Okay. Okay. You know, That's uh, fair. Because they're so different. Right. From the first tour where we had a 35, 40 minute set, and they weren't as nearly as polished, and we were an opening act to 84, where we had an incredible stage set up. And, um, uh, you know, I was as big a bigger fan than almost anybody of, of my band. Right, for sure. Um, and so to pick a year, I would say each year had its brilliant moments or brilliant tours. And I'm and I'm happy for that for you as well. When people ask me about some of my favorite tours, I have a I have a hard time picking out, you know, those as well. But I, I wanted to mention something. 
you were somebody that, of course, were not only just at Woodstock, but you were working with Bill Graham, like I said, and in front of, you know, uh, an estimated crowd of close to a half a million people to being at the Us Festival with the headlining band being your band to almost a comparable sized crowd. That had to be an, an amazing source of pride for you at that moment. It was, but the disaster that it, it turned out to be, uh, it was a big party afterwards. I didn't feel like going to a party. My band had just gotten a million and a half dollars and did a shitty show. <laughs> um, I was in Woodstock, and I got to see Grace Slick and all my friends, and she was gorgeous in her white uh it was a, a suede outfit well that was a brilliant show of brilliant artists right the arts festival to me sucked well again I, you know it, it, it's hard to argue that too because you know it's because again i've seen the footage again like i know like the back of my own you know hand there uh and it was just such a it's strange to see a band at the height of their powers be so sloppy and uh, and just seem to be kind of so out of it. Was there... Oh, was, it happens. You know, these, I mean, in in seven years, they did one bad show. Right. Happened to be one of the biggest shows. Right, right. You would expect they would do 20 shows with some of the... Um, condiments they took before the show, but they always did a brilliant show. Uh, I can't pick one show where they messed up, regardless of what they took. This was the only show, and to their credit, um, you know, they could put on a show um Anytime, anywhere, under any conditions. Uh, this was an anomaly. This was not right. Uh, Van Halen. And that's why I was so disappointed. But if you're talking about one show in seven years. Right. And you have to forget about it. For sure. I, you know, I mean, uh, b b being that in front of that many people and, of course, it being in front of a, wild, a worldwide audience being aired and all that, it could have been, of course, I know what you might have been thinking, that this could have been somebody's first taste of Van Halen. Or Did, did it ever affect the tour sales for the Diver Down tour uh, or the tour after that at all? I mean, I mean, was there... What was is there, I don't I don't follow you. Okay, so, okay, so after the Us Festival tour, and did it in did the sloppy performance did it ever did you ever see any sort of impact on ticket sales at all directly after that oh no 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 our fans couldn't give a crap about <laughs> a bad show and they thought it was a great show and for them it was it, yes this is just someone who me and you know, my being with the band, but most people didn't notice it. And if they did, they didn't care. Our fans loved Van Halen. Right. Good, bad, or indifferent. And, and, and so, uh, 
it never affected the band or the, or the fans. Good. And Good. I, it was really a non-event. And well, you gotta just drop it. Basically, it it it's not right. A okay. big thing. I Good. would say a big thing was opening for the Stones. Um, you know, uh, there were great shows, but the US Festival, you know, just put it in the garbage and forget about it. For sure, for sure, and we and we'll definitely we'll, we'll, we'll definitely we'll move on here. I was going to ask you though, when when you said and we both agreed that Van Halen ended in 1985. I'm sure that you were aware, obviously, when David Lee um, just un like miraculously somehow, you know, uh, unthinkably rejoined the band about 10 years ago. And then it took them about five years to come out with any new product. Was that on your radar at all? Did you ever hear that record? Did you have any interest in hearing it? Uh, It was pathetic. You know, these are guys that, you know, I don't even know if Michael was on that tour, but he was not. You know, right. they came back together out of nostalgia. That wasn't Van Halen doing a dozen, two dozen, sixty, seventy shows in a row. Right. You know, that was a pathetic attempt at recreating their youth, and it it was pathetic. Uh, and so, did you ever actually hear that record they put out in 2012 with David Lee Roth called "A Different Kind of Truth"? I I really heard none of the records after Van Halen. You got it. Okay. Uh, I just wanted to know if you were ever aware of that because uh, you know because again I was aware of all of it, but it didn't mean anything to me. Got it. I was I was a Van Halen fan. I was not. A fan after '85, there was no Van Halen. When when you when you think about, um, of course, especially those those first couple of uh, first couple of years and those first couple of tours, what sticks out in your mind as being perhaps the largest in terms of like a quantum leap of them going from, again, that first night in Chicago with Journey where you were really keenly aware that they had hit a certain stride. Was there any specific moment in that in that time for you? A lot of the outdoor shows, uh, you know, uh the one at the Coliseum on this on the second year. You know, but there were so many shows that stood out. I loved when we did outdoor shows. We did the Texas Jam. Right, right. Uh, I don't know if you saw that. Uh, I was but, too young, unfortunately. But I'm sorry? I said I was too young, unfortunately, to have seen that, unfortunately. They should have taken you in, in your crib. Come I on. know. I know, you know right? You got to be, be, be hardcore. That's right. You know, if I your agree. parents say no, grab your, your bottle and go. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I love it. I love it. But you got to understand that uh, there were different periods. We did a lot of outdoor shows in 78 and 79, and then they kind of dried up. Uh, But those shows were completely different than a stadium show. And they were 
as brilliant, but brilliant in a different way. Do you understand what I'm saying? I do. I do understand that. Um, but to, so but there to, wasn't one. It's not one of anything. When I'm dealing with Janis Joplin, I dealt a lot of shows with her. There was no similar show. You know, my band, I used to love to watch The Grateful Dead, put them on stage, listen to them for hours. Right. They never did the same show, but they were all brilliant. Now, when you were dealing with David Lee Roth on a day-to-day basis, and obviously, you know, there's a rapport that develops. There's maybe even a friendship that develops. But, of course, it's still within the – excuse me – within the confines of a working relationship. When did you feel – or him at his most, like, as you say, cruel? Uh, you know, David was like a coin. You didn't know which side would pop up. Uh, he'd come into the office and you'd wait to find out who was who. And maybe the cruel David showed up, or maybe the absolutely wonderful David showed up. I was very good friends with the wonderful David Lee Roth. (laughs) I miss him. Right. Um, You know, Eddie and I were very good friends, and then he fell off a cliff. Um, you got to understand that these people or David in particular, uh, totally schizophrenic. You don't know what you're going to get. Right, right. You may turn around and say, you fucking, I'm sorry. Uh, no, okay. You bloody scumbucket. Um, or, I really like that. That was great. And on a good day, David was my best friend. On a bad day, I wanted to crawl under my desk. Does that give you some idea? Well, of course it does, for sure. And thank you for that, Noel. I, I, uh, in terms of, like, the recordings, how how present were you during the recording process, during those... Uh, I got to say, I had too much work. I was there two, three times. Uh, it wasn't my favorite place to be. I didn't love how it was handled. It's something I don't really go into because I wasn't a great part of it. Right. But like right. I said, you know, I'm not a musician. I don't sing, dance, play an instrument. Right. And what went on, I didn't like. Which Which part was going on didn't you like? I, you know, in the book, I I don't get into it, but uh, it was a lot of drugs. Uh, I do go into some of it. There was a lot of destroyed equipment. There was a lot of hostility. It wasn't a pleasant place for me to be. Maybe other people liked it. I didn't. Right. They they made records almost at least in terms of recording almost amazingly quick. I mean, some of the 
some of those uh, first couple of records were made, uh, you know, very, very, very quickly. What kind of relationship did you have with Ted Templeman? Uh, Teddy was a, was a good producer. Uh, I really didn't have a, a, a major interplay with him. Right. I had no problems with him, which was good. Can you offer any insight? Because in years since, Eddie has has almost exclusively <clears throat> uh, spoken negatively about Ted Templeman. And, and do you, can you give any insight into that as to why that may why that may be? Well, let me ask you something. Uh, over the years, who has Eddie talked positively about? <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. I don't know. Give me one person. One. Yeah, I mean you're you're I mean you're right about that. Other than his son, I it's it's it's, it's very very few. Now you got to remember, not few. You can't name me one. Yeah. And when you get down to it, it's thirty years later, and he's still this guy is the most brilliant guitar player in the world, and he's still picking on Michael. Thirty years later. Yeah. He screwed him thirty years ago. And he's still got nothing to talk about. Right. Except Michael Anthony? Yeah. Or Ted Templeman? Come on, Edward, get into the present. <laughs> I'd love you to come out and talk to me. You know For sure. you're hiding somewhere. You must know this is going on. None of them are coming out. David had Three little cute things he said. But I would love one of the guys to come out of their closet. They're hiding. Things are being said about them that are not exactly pleasant. Defend yourself or don't. Right. But, you know, Edward has nothing good to say about anyone. Why this brilliant guy... Um, hates everybody, I don't know. You know, he was treated so well by the fans. By every, I treated him well. We got along incredibly well. But the guy hates everybody. He's a mean old man that should go retire to a mean old man home. Do you think that, that how much of that, since you're in a unique position, how much do you think of that is the alcohol and the drugs taking hold? Well, he's cleaned up. He's still mean. So, fair enough. You know, fair enough. Eddie has, has become a mean guy, drunk or sober. He's got nothing good to say about anybody. He hasn't matured as a musician. He's done nothing but criticize. He's got the guy is is I gotta say it, he's brilliant, but he's a horrible person. Now, Ed, if you're hearing this, come tell me I'm wrong. Tell me your side of it. Tell me why you're still picking on Michael Anthony. Thirty years later. Yeah. Get over it, boy. You're an old man. When and you're dead, all they're going to say is he was the most brilliant guitar player, but he was just a mean old man. 
Is that what you want as your epitaph? Totally, totally agreed there. And we invite uh, Eddie Van Halen to, uh, to, 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 of course, to, to respond. And I and I hope that he'll he'll answer the call there, Noel, and uh, and respond in kind. Uh, again, I, no, I, I can't thank you enough for the insight that you have not only provided in the book, but you provided for us here today uh, on Tricky Kid Radio. Uh, it has been my un by my profound uh, pleasure to being able to speak with you today and being able to ask you all these questions that have uh, have been in my little notebook since I was a kid, my friend, uh, to speak to somebody that was there firsthand. Well, it's my pleasure. You asked me some very interesting questions. Uh, I like those questions. Well, thank you, Noel. It, it fascinates me. Um Writing a book was quite an experience. It was good and it was bad. But you asked all the questions that people want to know almost. It's a couple more. But you covered it very well. Well, well, thank and, you, Noel. And uh, you did a great job and it was a pleasure. Well, thank you, Noel. Being interviewed by you. Well, no, I can't tell you how much that means to me. Again, I, I'm, I'm so grateful uh, to being able to have this time with you today and uh and you know and we should do it again uh, uh down the road uh, maybe we could uh talk sex pistols next time absolutely awesome i like you i like your interviewing style you well, want to talk I, about the sex pistols we should definitely I'll do it you got my number but you can call up shayla and set up a time i i've got to remember sid was my best buddy I we, love Sid. We room we, together. We've got this to talk about This was a guy that. who was straight up honest. He might have been a terrible bass player, but he <laughs> was a great performer. Yes, yes. There's no, and he there's was no denying a that. great friend of mine. And I got to say one thing. Sid did not kill Nancy. Did have not you ever Nancy. seen a junkie shoot up? And when he's nice and high and mellow and happy, be mean and kill someone. Right. It's right. not possible. If well, I, he lived in a hotel where all these people wandered in and out, he didn't kill Nancy, and that's all I got to say about that. Well, that's that's amazing, and no, we definitely are going to get into that. So. Uh, our listeners should stick around uh, for because we're definitely we'll do a part two with Noel and we'll be talking all about his experience with the Six Pistols and his friendship with with Sid Vicious and much much more. Again, Noel Monk. The book is called Running with the Devil: A Backstage Pass to the Wild Times, Loud Rock, and the Down and Dirty Truth Behind the Making of Van Halen. Go get this book. It's unbelievable. Uh, is any fan of just music? Uh, of course, specifically Van Halen, but uh, it really illuminates and shines a, a really bright light on the inner workings of the music industry and just a great time in American history. Again, Noel, I thank you again so, so much. My pleasure. We'll talk soon, Noel. Enjoy the rest of your day, and I will be in touch, my friend. Thank you. Thank you, Noel. Bye-bye. Oh.
wow, that was crazy. <laughs> that was, that and was that's nuts. An, that's an understatement. What did, what did you get from that? Well, it's it's kind of depressing in a way, but it explains a lot. It explains a lot. I mean, God, this guy knew so much about it, and I had no idea a lot of that stuff. I didn't even know as a Van Halen fan. So. Right. But isn't there a currency in that? I mean, it, it, it was it was sad the way that they things kind of parted, you know, with Noel. And, and again, we won't give too much away from the book. You really got to check out this book, Running with the Devil, that, that, that oh, Noel Monk has crazy. written. It's just – but but again, the term of being undocumented has it has now been documented from yeah. somebody that was there. What do, you, what do you think that you learned? that you'll carry with you the most out of what you just... They're still my favorite band in the whole wide world. Oh, yeah. But don't you think that it might have set them adrift a little bit? Do you think that this might be the last time they ever had actual uh, stable management? Well, obviously, yeah. I mean, obviously there was a nucleus there. There there was magic happening. Right. And when you start losing pieces of that, you know, I mean, and even, you know, Noel, I mean, he was probably the center. The cop, right. Right. Uh, And and kept everything going for so long. He's the glue that held it together. Right. And then, you know, uh, uh, when that spins out of control, everything spins out of control. And obviously, we know what happened, you know. Right, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, so when anytime you, you, uh, you know, find things out like this that you truly believe are factual, it's always bittersweet, right? If you have a passion about sure, something, sure. you know, the like movie, never get your heroes kind of the thing, right? Movie, <laughs> does, the yeah. movie doesn't always end perfectly, right? Right? Old Yeller died, right? Right? So, um, in this case, you know, spoiler, it, it, yeah, it is, a, <laughs> it is a, it is a sad thing, but it's also captivating, it is. highly uh, interesting. Totally agree on the management comment. Um, you know, you got to have somebody in there that has the vision and keeps the individuals together because they got as big as you could get. Right. Uh, people talk about the Beatles, the Stones, yeah, whatever. They're huge, uh, and they were Led Zeppelin, no doubt. Nobody was bigger than Van Halen. Those four or five years, especially in '45, for sure. Absolutely. So, yeah, almost kind of like the Beatles. It was it was entropy led to its implosion, and without having somebody, and you know what? And think about this: maybe if Noel had come on in '84, '85, maybe he wouldn't have been the guy either. Maybe nobody could have. Right. But it, it was only the person that was there from the beginning that could have held it together there for that last year. Don't, don't you agree with yeah, that? Yeah. Sure. Totally it's agree. That I don't know that anybody could have. Right. For sure. Yeah. Now, okay. So as you heard in the interview, uh, it ended in, 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 as far as Noel is concerned, it ended in 1985. And again, those four guys never have shared the stage together since then. Okay, and those four guys, of course, being Alex, Eddie Van Halen, and Michael, and Michael Anthony, and of course uh, Diamond David Lee Roth. Uh, so that's kind of what Noel kind of means there too. But we also know that as Van Halen fans, that you know that we talked about the 2007 tour. Then they came out, finally did the unthinkable and come out with a 2012 record. I would, I've already talked at length about that other than to say that that, that I love that record and I thought it was great. Uh, The tour kind of wasn't as where the 2007 was. It was still cool, but there was a decline, a noticeable one. Okay. And then the tour that they did in 2000, what was it? 2015? Was that two years ago? Yeah. There was a such a noticeable decline, uh, especially in, unfortunately as far as where, where Roth was was concerned. That one has to think that what does the future hold uh, for Van Halen? Now we're all big Van Halen fans, but let's try to do this 
uh, in terms of like wishful thinking and kind of be a little bit more academic about it. Steve, we'll start with you. What, what do you think the future holds from this point further? Do you, do you see it ever to ever making a record again? Do they only exist in a live setting? Do they exist at all? What, what's what, what's yeah, happening? Yeah, so so I'm in business by day, and and uh, I think you know it's kind of the same thing when you when you've been kicking butt for so many years and doing so many great things. You know, eventually, you know, that's going to start to wind down. It's life, right? Right. Um, and I saw the decline too. And right. and uh, to my perspective, is they can really do no wrong. Uh, but it, it's realistic to me. I think they have one more big run in them. I really do. Okay. They, if they can in a live setting or, or, or in a live setting and one more studio album. Okay. Now that didn't mean. I mean, of course, it's a wish. I don't have any inside information, but I truly mm-hmm. believe that that can happen. And by the way, the studio recording that they put out was phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's great. Different kind of truth. Yeah, yeah I love great. it. Too. I love it too. Stay frosty. Yeah, right. Chad? Well, I mean, I'm a huge fan, so I go online. I read a lot of stuff, and there's a lot of read. rumors. I, I can read a little yeah, yeah. bit if it has to do with Van Halen. All right, all right. I can read that. <laughs> right. I, I've heard the album's already done. That's what I've heard. There's a lot of rumor that the right. album's already done. And I think, you know, with technology today, you could be a terrible singer and still sound amazing. So they're going to doctor it. They're going to make Dave sound amazing. And they're going to put out another album. And they're going to tour. I think, can they pull it off live? Who knows? Hey, another comment I'll say on that. You know, after all, we all know it. Eddie has his own studio. Yeah. And, right. and that band is probably the the most legendary in keeping things hush-hush if they want it hush-hush. When, yeah. when it gets yeah. leaked, that's on purpose. Yeah. Well, besides, besides, besides Prince, as we mentioned, of course, uh, in, in, in episode one, and anybody who knows me and knows this show, Prince is a, is a re- recurring theme as being, uh, you know, besides Van Halen, my, my, my greatest Iconic. musical um, influence in my life. And that's what I was going to say was, was that another thing about being undocumented, you know, you've heard, you've heard for years about about the the Prince Vault. Yeah. So even all of that unreleased music that Prince has, everybody is at the very least aware are aware of the vault. The Van Halen thing is so cryptic and so secret that most people don't realize that in fifty one fifty studios, people don't know that there's this vault that probably maybe doubles Prince. Who knows? Nobody knows. Yeah, what's in that? Okay, yes. now. Surely there's something. Oh no, there's, there's a is. lot. There's a there is lot. a lot because because when they were they, they were able to, to to spit out that different kind of truth with riffs that were going back to seventy six, seventy seven, yeah. all that. I mean, he knows what that stuff is. Stuff they and just like Prince, you know, he didn't have to go back and listen to that stuff. He knew where it was. He knew what it was. He 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 just found the right time to do it. So, do I think that there will be a brand new Van Halen record? Uh, with all new material, unfortunately, I do not. Uh, number two, do new I... New material mean they wrote it recently? Right, exactly. Yeah, I don't think so either. Okay, I think it, it would probably... Because I probably heard enough material there. Now, but obviously without David Lee's vocals, so that was brings me to your point, Chaz, is that, you know, what would they do with that? So I think you're probably going to hear a lot of archival stuff. Something else that's kind of telling is that David Lee, uh, who never says anything clear, said <laughs> that he's going to, to go out the way that he came in, which is one, one of the greatest, one of the biggest band in the world, right when that tour ended. Wolfgang said at the last night at the Hollywood Bowl, he said that he'll never forget it. 
Those two things. Eddie Van Halen gave an interview with with, uh, with Rolling Stone. He never gives interviews. And basically said, you know what? I would actually, because you, you keep thinking, like, it's Eddie's fault. He doesn't want us to continue. Give David Lee a chance. And it really seems like that David Lee is just done. He lives in Japan. He's actually in a long-term relationship with somebody about half his age. Which is remarkable. Right. And he has no interest in playing rock music. Number one, he can't. He can't. It, you know, the, his hearing. He can't hit the high notes. He's way into EDM, electronic music. Eddie Van Halen gave a quote. He said, "Well, you know, three of three people in this band are into rock music, and one is into dance music." A lot of you guys don't realize this, and I was thinking about making this as song of the week, but I thought, well, you know, let's go with something a little more traditional. But there's actually a dance remix version of of Jump that that David Lee was behind. And I'll leave it to your own devices to decide what what you think about that. And the bluegrass. Well, yeah, now that, that now that was something that was completely independent yeah. that was brought to David Lee's attention called Strumming with the Devil. Yeah, <laughs> and he actually performed with them. I think it was yeah. on it was in the Late Late Show. Right, right. It's pretty good. So for me, I think that if you do see a tour, God, I hope so. I hope that maybe Dave could somehow get it together. If that was Dave at his best on the last tour, I would have to say that that he has at least enough self-awareness to know when to call it quits. And if he can't do, get it together better than that, because he looked great, he but he just the ability was just no longer there. Once more into the breach. Right. It's yeah. what we, it's what he, that's what he needs to do. Right. Uh, a swan song, if you will. I think it's going to happen. I, I think Michael's going to come back. I think the original four are going to come back and okay, do this. Okay, so now here's what I want to say just for a second before we close, is what do we think, not what we hope, but just with the resources, what do you think should happen? I'll start off with that. Okay. That's cool. Um, I was really disappointed um, that they made this really cool multi-album uh, live, you know, Tokyo uh, Tokyo Live, and then they made the other box set, but no live DVD. Yeah. Like, there's no other band on the planet that doesn't have something that's... I know they made some other ones, but I'm talking, you know, the, the Van Halen. Right. It didn't exist. You have to get bootlegs, fan shot stuff. Um, so that never happened. I think they need to go out with, with some, making one of those that's made very, very well. Um, and they go, uh, you know, and they just get out there and kick butt one more time. And another comment when you were, when you were saying, uh, you know, the new album would be vintage stuff. Totally agree. Okay. I'd love to see what your intro was. A few uh, like beer drinkers and Hellraisers, right? Cool. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for some sure. of the cover songs, for sure. Rock you know. Hoochie Coop. But I mean, what do you think should happen? What would be the what, would be, what is the right thing where you would think to yourself? You know, this is the right thing to do. Well, you have to look at it from a business perspective, right? <laughs> and if you're looking you at it as a right? business perspective, <laughs> they've got to do it. Yeah. You know, it, I mean, yeah, I definitely think they're all going to come back. Wolfgang. Has made a solo album, right? He's going to tour on that. He's not going to play in Van Halen anymore. He's kind of graduated, you know. Dad kind of let him. Right. Michael Anthony back in the mix. David Lee Roth comes back one more. I think so, it's going to happen so, it with a new album of whatever it is. It may be even on different kind but, of truth. Those were all. I mean, they were old songs, old riffs, but some of the lyrics were newer. I mean, yeah. there was some mix. I think there's got, they got one more of that in them. They're going to put it all together one more time, and they're going to say thank you. I don't, I disagree, man. I don't think it could be about the money. They're they're worth sixty to eighty million each. I don't. Think it's so. got to be about the legacy and finishing it. Right. I think that might be something that we would do, but but we're talking about 
somebody who has proven he does not Doesn't care about the fans. Two yeah. Fs about anything other than... Are we talking about Eddie or yeah. Dave? Eddie. Eddie. Yeah. Eddie. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Sadly. But now, and, and, and also, so let me say this. In, in closing, I think that what will happen is, is that, and you know, and you heard what Noel said in the interview, 30 years down the road, this dude is still, Eddie Van Halen is still picking on Michael Anthony. Yeah. It, okay. So, you know, and, and here's what you think. You think, well, gosh, now if he, it would be rude to kick. He wouldn't be kicking his son out of the band. And that's what people don't no, realize. Yeah. Because these tours and albums wouldn't have happened at all if it wasn't for Wolfgang. Wolfgang is his father's only link to having his finger on the pulse of what's going on. He trusts his son. Great Otherwise, stuff. he's completely clueless. In terms of all those great set lists that we saw, Wolfgang made a set list. Right. You, yeah. would, you would think that... You would think that Eddie's like, okay, son, this was a big hit back in the day. You need to learn how to play it. No, it is Wolfgang going, this is what the fans want. This is what I want as a fan. We got to play here about it later. Your favorite song. Yeah, we got to play. Right. Okay. So I think Wolfgang would be more than happy knowing to step aside. And I think that if it happens with Michael Anthony, it will be Wolfgang telling his dad saying, you got to do one more tour. Okay. I, I couldn't agree more, man. Yeah. And then, like you said, maybe putting some archival stuff together and, and doing it like that, okay? Ironically, this entire time, and this is the funny thing I want to say about it, was the entire time you were thinking, gosh, please, Eddie, let David Lee Roth back at the band. And isn't it ironic that really the biggest roadblock moving forward from this happening isn't just his shortcomings of his ability. I think that the person that would be the last one to sign off on this would be David Lee. Because of everything you just said. I totally would bet the farm that he'd do it, though. Yeah, well. we'll Sorry, I think legacy is more important. Right. I mean, come Her on. Give, one more time. Give me a bottle of anything and a glazed donut. To go. <laughs> so with that, again, I want to say, uh, again, thank you so much uh, to Noel Monk, his legendary yeah. manager. Great book. Much, much more to come. Oh, uh, so much. I mean, again, the life this guy's led, like we talked about, Wrote this fantastic book. Finally, is a gift to us. Uh, and you know what? I want to thank the members of, of, of Van Halen, all of them. That's including Wolfgang Van Halen, because I want to thank David Lee Roth. I want to thank Michael Anthony. I want to thank Edward and Alex Van Halen for all the years of so much fun. The reason why you and I became friends, Chaz, was because of Van Halen. The reason why you and I are friends now is over Van Halen. They bring people together. That's what I'm saying. So, <laughs> so And Wolfgang Van Halen is a member of Van Halen, like I said. That's right. Three-fourths original, one-fourth inevitable. That's awesome. And so, again, for my special guest, Noel Monk, want to thank him so much. And for my special co-host this week, Chaz. Awesome. And then it's Chaz Knight from Red Leather. Come on. All right. And then Ben Halen historian Steve Emerson. Gentlemen, <laughs> It's thank been a you pleasure. Come call me when you don't have as much time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm your host, Roy Turner. Thank you again for joining us, awesome. and we'll see you next week. Thanks, Roy. Thanks, man.